Welcome to another edition of Canton Bound, the NFL half of our Campus to Canton podcast. As always, I'm Colin, and we do not have Austin tonight. Uh, He had, quote, better things to do with his Thursday night, which if you've listened to his comments recently, not overly surprising. Um, Austin ghosted me tonight, but I'm still bringing you guys a show. Season just really wrapped up here, so we're going to do a 2022 season recap. Uh, We're going to go through our predictions that we made at the beginning of the year, see how we fared, and I'm not going to hold back on Austin, uh, even though he's he's not here. Uh, I'm just going to just rip into his takes, and he has no way to defend himself, so that's his fault for not being here. Uh, But then we'll also uh, look at some surprises on the year and talk about maybe how these uh, surprise players project forward. Uh, But before we get into this episode here, uh, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great pods. Uh, You can follow all of them on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live or check out the Friday Drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. And if you're looking for some additional NFL or CFF content, Uh, You can head on over to Fantasy Points. It's a great site. They have a lot of stuff going on over there. Uh, You can use promo code CAMPUS23. Uh, That'll get you 10% off of your membership. Uh, I'm not 100% sure if that is live yet. If it's not, it should be live soon. All right, heading into the 2022 recap of our prediction results here. Uh, This will probably end up being a fairly short show here, but uh, we started with the fantasy MVP. Uh, Austin's choice for fantasy MVP was DeAndre Swift. Uh, at the time, he was going as the RB8 at, at ADP of 14.5. And all of this, and from all of these stats, the ADP, uh, the final year finishes and stats as well, they all come from fantasy pros. Um, DeAndre Swift finished the year here as RB22 through 14 games. Uh, finishes the RB19 in fantasy points per game out of running backs that played more, 12 or more games. So DeAndre Swift, definitely disappointing this year, even with playing 14 games. I mean, he did get hurt. He missed three games, but played the majority of the season. And even when he was playing, he wasn't overly dominant, uh, nine, RB19. And that's not what you want out of him when you drafted him in the early part of the second round as the RB8 off the board. Uh, Austin did also have uh, Alvin Kamara as his honorable mention. Not really much better. He was the RB18 on the year. So still a miss on that front. Nice try, Austin, with the hedge. Not going to get it on this one. My fantasy MVP this year was Travis Kelsey. That was my prediction. At the time, he was going as a tight end one, uh, the ADP of 14. So very early, early second round there. That's very early for a tight end. And it was worth it. Travis Kelsey finished the year as the tight end one by almost 100 points over the tight end two, which was TJ Hawkinson there. Travis Kelsey was the 22nd overall player in fantasy finish in half PPR, non-tight end premium. If he was a tight end premium league, even more valuable. If he was a wide receiver in half PPR, he would have finished as a wide receiver five. So phenomenal year out of Travis Kelsey. I think that is probably, uh, there's definitely an argument for Travis Kelsey to be the fantasy MVP. So 
We're going to chalk this one up to Colin. Colin wins round one here in fantasy MVP. Austin, big swing and a miss. Um, comeback player of the year. Austin picked Jerry Judy, uh, who at the time was going off the board as the wide receiver 22, uh, ADP of 57.7. Jerry Judy ended up finishing the year as a wide receiver 21. Uh, so he, and I don't really put a lot of that blame on him, honestly. A lot of the, that Denver offense was a mess all year. I think Jerry Judy coming back and he really looked like the wide receiver one for Denver. I think that this is, he's not the, the comeback player of the year, but this wasn't a bad call. Jerry Judy still finished um, just one spot ahead of where he was being drafted, despite Nathaniel Hackett and that coach job. Russell Wilson was really struggling all year. So I think Jerry Judy, if you drafted Jerry Judy, you're pretty happy with his performance, uh, all things considered. My comeback player of the year, I stuck with the same team with the Kansas City Chiefs. I went with uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. He was going off the board as a wide receiver 24 at the time, uh, an ADP of 65.5, and he ended up finishing as the wide receiver 29. And again, all of these are uh, half PPR is what all of this assumes, non-tight end premium, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, so Juju, disappointing. Not the comeback player of the year here. If you drafted him, he put definitely put up some some nice numbers for you there. He faded down the stretch for sure. Um, he started off the year decently. Not a not a total bust of a pick, but definitely not comeback player of the year worthy either. So comeback player of the year is a zero for both of us. Neither of us got this one right. So still one nothing, Colin though. Um, I'm still going to take the credit on that one. Uh, next up, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Austin picked Drake London, who at the time was going off the board as a wide receiver 40, uh, had an ADP of 105.5. Uh, he ended up finishing the wide receiver 36, so slightly better than where he was drafted. If you drafted him, you probably weren't super upset about it given the price that you paid. But he didn't really help your team all that much. You're just very, very back end wide receiver three. Not really a surprise on my end there. The quarterback play I knew for Atlanta was, was going to be pretty terrible this year. I don't think that was a surprise to very many people. I will say, though, that Desmond Ritter played worse than a lot of people expected. That was more or less what I was expecting there from, from him. I, I, I still don't really believe in, in Desmond Ritter. I think the Falcons will probably end up going into the year with him as the starting quarterback next year and will be in contention for the number one pick probably. Although I thought we were going to be in contention for the number one pick this year and they ended up stumbling their way to, to seven and 10. So who knows, but Drake London, definitely not offensive rookie of the year. My choice was Brees Hall, which was a pretty popular choice at the time. Uh, he was definitely going off as the favorite. It was like him. Uh, Kenny Pickett just because he's a quarterback. Um, so it wasn't an, an overly bold take on my end. Brees Hall at the time going off the board at, uh, RB 19, the ADP of 39. Now he finished the year, uh, as the RB seven in points per game. Now he only played seven games. So I don't really think this can be considered a, a hit here either, you, you got to play more than seven games. Uh, all of the, the totals that I'm using uh, for fantasy points per game only look at uh, players who have played 12 or more games. So 
Brees Hall doesn't count there. That's a wash. Disappointing to say that I don't get to count that one, but it is what it is. We got to be honest here on the show, especially because Austin will actually probably listen to this and he would call me out if I tried to give myself credit for Brees Hall. So nobody gets credit for offensive rookie of the year here. So, but it is still one nothing Colin. Next up, we have breakout player of the year. Uh, Austin's choice was Tua Tagovailoa at the time going off the board as a QB 16 at an ADP of 158. He looked really good early on in the year. He definitely put himself on some people's radars. Some people could consider that a breakout, but he did only finish as the QB 15 overall and the QB nine in fantasy points per game. Uh, he played 13 games, so he does qualify for that. He had the concussion issues, which obviously we're hoping that that gets resolved. It's not, doesn't sound like he's going to play in the playoff game this week here, which is probably for the best given all of the concussion issues he's had this year. He just needs time to get ready, get healthy, come back next year and lead that offense and hopefully improve on that uh, QB nine performance. So not a bad call on Tua as a breakout player of the year, but not quite good enough to count. Now my breakout player of the year was Christian Kirk. Uh, at the time he was going off the board as a wide receiver, 42 ADP of 108.5. Now I think Christian Kirk, I mean, he finished the year as the wide receiver 11. Uh, that was, I definitely think that qualifies as a breakout. That was his highest fantasy point finish ever finished the year as the wide receiver 11. That's a, that's a wide receiver one year. He faded a little bit down the stretch, but honestly, you drafted Christian Kirk. You were very happy with that this year. This was the best performance he's had of the year. Vastly outperformed his ADP. We're going to chalk this one up for Colin. Colin's going to get the uh, the breakout player of the year here. So that's going to be two to nothing for those of you keeping score at home. Um, Christian Kirk counts as the hit. Travis Kelsey counts as a hit. Next up, underperformer of the year. And this was the last category that we kind of tried to predict at the beginning of the season. Uh, Austin's pick was Cam Akers, who at the time was going off the board as the RB17 uh, ADP of 38 overall. Now he finished as the RB 33. This one is a little dicey because this looked like a great call with Cam Akers being the underperformer of the year until he finished the season with three straight hundred yard games, including that one game where he went over hundred yards and had three touchdowns. So RB 17 is where he was drafted. RB finish our uh, finish was the RB 33. It's an RB3 performance on the year. As much as it pains me to say it, I'm inclined to give Austin a half a point on this one. Because up until the last three games of the year, Cam Akers was dust. If you drafted Cam Akers, you cut him. Uh, in redraft, in dynasty, you probably didn't cut him, but you probably wanted to at times. You're banging your head against the wall. I mean, there were times that there was a time where the Rams almost cut him. The Rams were looking at trading him. They didn't. There were rumors that he might get cut. He didn't end up getting cut. Darrell Henderson actually surprisingly got cut instead, which led to Cam Akers getting more playing time and building some momentum down the stretch there with the three straight 100 yard games, like I mentioned. So I'm going to give Austin a half a point on this one. 
my choice for underperformer of the year was Mark Andrews. He was going off the board at tight end two, uh, ADP of 25 overall. Now he finished the year as the tight end four overall. This one, it, it, tight end three in, in points per game. This one, I, I, I don't think this counts here. I mean, even though he finished, you know, uh, two spots lower than what he was, and he faded pretty hard down the stretch. Uh, Mark Andrews was was definitely not a, a underperformer this year. That was a, a big miss on my end here. I faded him fairly hard. Now, one area where I was correct in my prediction was that the tight end two would not even be close to Travis Kelsey. There would be a gulf between those two, and there was. But Mark Andrews still had a very productive year here. He's still looking like he's going to be a stalwart uh, at the tight end position, he's going to be a staple of the Baltimore offense, probably the number one option in that passing attack. Now, Rashad Bateman did get hurt very early in the year. He is going to be back. That could siphon off a little bit of production from Mark Andrews, but at the same time, Lamar Jackson should be back healthy, uh, assuming he ends up back with Baltimore, which I would be very surprised if he doesn't. I think if even if they can't work out a deal, they'll just tag him. So Mark Andrews, uh, I've done a complete 180 on him, and I am um, on board with Mark Andrews being kind of like a cornerstone piece. And we did our cornerstone rankings uh, a couple weeks ago. I had Mark Andrews up there pretty high because I do value having a high-end tight end, an elite tight end, especially in tight end premium leagues, because of how big the difference is between some of these top elite guys and and the next guys down. I mean, at the tight end position this year, you had Travis Kelsey finish um, head and shoulders above the next closest person. Then you had TJ Hawkinson at two, George Kittle at three, Mark Andrews at four. Uh, I don't really count Taysom Hill. He throws passes. I don't. It's hard to count him as uh, as a tight end here. But um, those four that I mentioned before um are the only four that finished with a uh, double digits in fantasy points in, in half point ppr um dallas goddard was up there zach ertz was up there but it, there's just such a, a gap between um, the the top couple tight ends and the next guys there that I, I value putting that on there so i've done a full 180 on on mark andrews that's an l for me it's an l for underperformer of the year for me so final tally Colin, two, Austin, a half. So I win this round, Austin. Um, don't DM me. Don't at me. You lose. Next, we're going to talk surprises of the year here. And, and obviously, this year was definitely full of surprises at the position. There were some, some players that underperformed and then hit the cliff a little bit sooner than maybe what we thought they would. Uh, and then there were some out-of-nowhere performances, like first up here at the quarterback position, uh, Geno Smith. Absolutely out of nowhere. Uh, QB5 in total points on the year, QB7 in points per game. If you count players that have only um, played 12-plus games, uh, Justin Fields and Lamar were the two that finished in between him. They, they had more points per game than he did. But Geno Smith, 314.9 fantasy points this year, 4,282 yards, 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 
an insane 69.8% completion percentage. Like that is just a ridiculous number. Uh, 366 yards rushing, one touchdown on the ground. So by far a career year from him, out of absolutely nowhere at the age of 32, his previous best was 193.9 fantasy points in 2013, which was his rookie year. Now, I think there's, I think what we saw this year with Geno Smith is that Seattle system that they run is just able to be hyper efficient with with the quarterback we saw Russ be hyper efficient for a couple years in a row there uh, and Geno Smith played really well this year too you know and not not quite to Russell Wilson's level when he was in Seattle I mean I, I know Russell Wilson had a huge disappointing year this year and Geno Smith out of absolutely nowhere so you know it's causing people to say well was it the system was it Russ I think it's some of the system but I think it's also a lot of Russ uh, Russ beat the 314.9 fantasy point number five times in his career, uh, including his best year uh, in 2020 with 372.6. I mean, Russell Wilson was a, a staple of the the top 10, you know, top five quarterbacks there for, for a couple years in a row, top 10 for a long time. So I, th I think that a lot of this has to do with the system here. I'm not rushing out to buy Geno Smith anywhere. I don't think anybody really is. It's a nice story. If you have them, you hold them, you know, if, if you don't, or if, you know, you sell them, if you're, if you're not a contender if, for whatever you can get, but I don't think anybody at this point in, in the off season is, is buying Geno Smith. Um, best case scenario for anybody having him is he goes into next year. I think this performance is probably going to be unrepeatable, but you know, maybe he finishes as a high end QB too moving forward. I think that's very much in the realm of possibility, especially given the weapons that he has uh, in DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Those guys aren't going anywhere for next year, presumably, unless they get traded. Uh, so Geno Smith, the surprise quarterback of the year, a surprise to nobody who followed football this year, but two others receiving votes um, and votes are just me. So I'm going to say receiving others receiving votes. It's literally just my votes. I put this whole show sheet together. Austin's not here. He doesn't get a vote. Uh, the other two, Justin Fields, who finished the year as the QB six uh, after a lot of people left him for dead at the very beginning of the year. I mean, I saw people saying trade him for for Kenny Pickett or, or you know, trade him for for anything you can get. And, you know, I, I think that it, sometimes it just takes a little bit of time with these quarterbacks and, and Justin Fields almost broke the rookie record or the QB record for rush yards. And that's a huge part of his game here. So moving forward, you know, he's got that Konami code. I, I think if you if you held on to him, you're very happy. And then Daniel Jones finishing as the QB nine is definitely a surprise here to everybody. I mean, a lot of people left Daniel Jones for dead entering this year. There's no way Daniel Jones gets re-signed after this year. They don't pick up his option. And he played really well. And I think we saw that Brian Dayball um knows how to to coach up a system you know a, a lot of people gave him a lot of credit for josh allen and i think you know it's, it's six of one half dozen of the other josh allen deserves a lot of credit in and of himself but now we're seeing that um dayball's system is just a good system it brought a qb9 year out of daniel jones so uh, geno smith justin fields daniel jones all surprise quarterbacks here this year uh, at the running back position a big surprise of the year is Jamal Williams, Swag Kage, Demon Leader of the Hidden Village of the Hidden Den. 
which was a hilarious Naruto reference for anybody who gets that one. He did that in the uh, Sunday Night Football intro game. Uh, sounds like Jamal Williams is just just a fun guy, and it's it's nice to hear uh, some other nerds out there bringing that into the uh, into the mainstream a little bit. But Jamal Williams definitely a surprise year this year and half point PPR. He finishes the RB eight in total points, uh, RB ten in points per game. Again, 12, 12 more games played. Finished with two hundred nineteen point nine fantasy points per game. 262 carries, 1,066 yards, 17 touchdowns, um, 12 catches on 16 targets, 73 yards, no touchdowns. So, you know, non-factor in the passing game. Not that anybody would ever really expect that. He's splitting a backfield with DeAndre Swift. That's Swift's role. Uh, these two, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, formed a great one-two punch this year for a surprise Detroit Lions team. And... You know, Jamal Williams was the better back out of him and Swift. Swift, DeAndre Swift played 14 games, like I talked about earlier, and and Williams still averaged a full point per game more than DeAndre Swift did. Uh, Jamal Williams' previous best year was 130.3 fantasy points. So he finished with almost 100 fantasy points better than his best year, which was in 2017, which also his rookie year, interestingly enough. Uh, and coming into this year, Jamal Williams' fantasy points on the year had declined three straight years. And then he had this breakout performance here. So good to see that from him. He's at, he's age 27. You know, a lot of people kind of leave running backs for dead once they hit like 26, 27, once they get onto that second contract. Given Jamal Williams' situation, splitting the backfield here, he's another guy that I don't really think anybody's rushing out to buy. Um, I don't think I'm breaking any news here on that front. If you have him, hold him. You know, if you can get anything for him, maybe you do that. But that Detroit offense looked really good this year. And another offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson's getting some head coaching looks this year. If he doesn't get one of those gigs and he comes back, you know, I don't think there's any reason why we don't see at least a, a fan, an RB2 type of performance for Jamal Williams. I don't think he's an RB1 at the uh, at the end of the year next year. I think that would be uh, an even bigger surprise than him doing it once. It would be him repeating it. But if they bring everybody back, they get the whole band back together. Yeah, I mean, I could see him being an RB2 there. And, you know, th those obviously have some value. Uh, others receiving votes for surprise RB of the year. Uh, Josh Jacobs finishing as the RB3. Uh, he has always been been pretty solid. Uh, you know, kind of a high-end RB2 for the most part, uh, gets the RB3 this year. He had a phenomenal year, and he does it as he's heading into free agency. So good for him. Uh, Tony Pollard would be the other one, RB7 on the year. And he, you know, had always been kind of a playing the second fiddle to Zeke, but always been more efficient. Um, he he's, uh, catches a lot of passes there, so it's good to see him have a, a nice performance here this year as well and, and reward some of those patient owners who hung on to him for a while and you know just were hoping that he would get an opportunity and and they might actually get that opportunity i mean he's also a free agent at the end of this year it'll be really interesting to see where he ends up and how they're going to use him wherever he ends up he's a guy who's going to have one of the most volatile stocks this offseason he could be an RB one where he ends up and he, you know, ends up in, uh, let's say he ends up in Arizona. Um, 
and they bring in a, a new offensive coordinator there, or he ends up in Kansas City and takes the place of other surprise running back, Jarek McKinnon, who he did it at the end of the year here. He didn't put it together for a full season, which is why he didn't get surprise RB of the year or, you know, didn't even didn't receive wasn't in the other receiving votes category. But if Tony Pollard ends up there in Kansas City, takes his place, he could be extremely valuable. He could also end up somewhere and just be stuck in a committee. So very volatile stock here this offseason. I'm probably, man, it's tough with Pollard. Um, I'm not sure what I want to do with him yet, to be honest with you. Uh, wide receiver, surprise wide receiver of the year, Devonta Smith. Uh, you know, we we liked Devonta Smith coming out. He was a first-round wide receiver, and he played well in his rookie year. But then they brought in A.J. Brown. Um, you know, Devonta Smith had 153.6 fantasy points his rookie year. They bring in A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown very clearly was going to be the RB1 in, or the wide receiver one in that offense. So, you know, and how much did we like Jalen Hurts, especially as a passer? I was somebody who was doubting Jalen Hurts as a passer. So in that vein, I was also down on Devonta Smith, which was the wrong take. I mean, Devonta Smith finished the wide receiver 10 in total points, wide receiver 13 in points per game, half point PPR, 12 plus games. Uh, he ended up with 207.1 fantasy points per game, finished the year with 136 targets, 136 targets. That is a lot for a wide receiver too. He had 95 catches, uh, 1,196 yards, seven touchdowns on the year. That includes a goose egg in week one. He had no catches on four targets. Um, and he had a great year this year. I didn't see that coming. You know, A.J. Brown was a top 10 wide receiver. That's something that I thought was definitely reasonable, something I thought that we could see this year. And Devonta Smith being also a top 10 wide receiver was not something I had on my bingo card there. I did not think that Jalen Hurts was going to be able to support two top 10 wide receivers. And he absolutely did that. So hats off to Jalen Hurts, you know, proving a lot of doubters wrong, including myself. Hats off to Devonta Smith for, for a nominal year this year. Uh, and, you know, more on the point of two wide receivers from the same team being in the top 10. You know, there's a lot of talk about guys who in just just in general, who aren't wide receiver ones in quotes. Um, this guy can't be a wide receiver one. This guy won't be a wide receiver one for his team. And Devonta Smith wasn't a wide receiver one for his team and yet still finished as a top 10 wide receiver. So there actually were two teams this year that had two top 10 wide receivers, uh, Philadelphia and Miami. There were four other teams that finished with two top 25 wide receivers, Cincinnati, Seattle, Tampa Bay, and Jacksonville. Uh, now Jacksonville, Z Zay Jones actually finishes a wide receiver 26, but Cooper Cup only played nine games. And he finishes the wide receiver four, which I mean, that in and of itself is, is really impressive that Cooper Cup still finished as a wide receiver, two, even though he only played nine games. But Cup doesn't hit that threshold. So we're counting Zay Jones as a top 25 wide receiver. So there were six teams that had two wide receivers in the top 25. You don't necessarily have to be a, a wide receiver one on your team to be a wide receiver one or two for fantasy purposes. So. I think that assuming that a player isn't going to be a wide receiver one in their own team, it's something definitely to consider, but I think we maybe put too much stock in that, to be honest with you. 
Uh, and then actually, their Buffalo just missed having two top ten or two top twenty-five wide receivers. They had Stephon Diggs finish at four, uh, and then Gabe Davis finishes wide receiver twenty-seven. So again, another team that was really close. That's that's seven teams. Uh, that's almost a quarter of the league that made up wide receiver twos. So it's all about it's all about the system and the quarterback that you have there. Uh, last up. We have, oh, well, others receiving votes on this one. Christian Kirk is a wide receiver 11. Obviously, I couldn't say him since he was my breakout player of the year. I already talked about him a little bit earlier, uh, but he definitely would be considered a surprise by some who maybe didn't pick him as the breakout player of the year. Uh, the other one, Brandon Ayuk, finishing as the wide receiver 15. Uh, he actually finished ahead of Debo Samuel in fantasy points and fantasy points per game. So Brandon Ayuk, Austin, that was a guy Austin was touting as somebody he was definitely looking to buy. Uh, he had a fantastic year here this year as well. I don't think he was a huge surprise finishing as a wide receiver too. Now a high-end wide receiver too. Probably didn't see that coming. Finishing as a wide receiver too, not necessarily all that surprising, but finishing ahead of Debo uh, I think was surprising and kind of passing him as the wide receiver one on that team, at least in the in the short term. Now, they had some injuries at quarterback. They they had three different quarterbacks start for them this year. So we'll see how that ends up shaking out, but definitely positive indicators for, for Brandon Ayuk. Uh, now the last position here, we got the tight ends. Uh, surprise tight end of the year, Evan Ingram. Uh, it was kind of difficult to say, to pick a, a tight end surprise on the year. I mean, the top four tight ends, finished as the top four guys, you know, Kelsey, Hawkinson, Kittle, Andrews, you expect that. Um, so Evan Ingram finishing as the tight end six in total fantasy points, tight end seven in fantasy points per game. Uh, I don't believe Taysom Hill should count, but I'm not going to remove him. Um, Dallas Goddard played 12 games exactly. So that was who was in between him in the fantasy points, fantasy points per game rankings there. Um, like I said, not a huge surprise that Evan Ingram finished up there. He was a guy that I was kind of touting this year as somebody who I thought was going to have a really nice year, especially with um, you know uh, Trevor Lawrence as the quarterback there in Doug Peterson's system, which has made tight ends uh, very productive in the past, and especially good tight ends like you know Zach Ertz, like uh, Dallas Goddard. He's made some tight ends have some nice years, and uh, Evan Ingram not a surprise but a little bit of a surprise. He had 98 targets. I think that's kind of one of the things that surprised me there, but he had 73 catches, 766 yards and four touchdowns. Um, his previous best in fantasy points per game was 141 point. That was 141 fantasy points. And that was in 2017. Also his rookie year. So three guys on this list, whose best year before this year was their rookie year in uh, Geno Smith, Jamal Williams and Evan Ingram. Uh, I think the biggest surprise, though, and the thing that I th really puts Evan Ingram on this list for me here is that Jacksonville and, and Trevor Lawrence supported two top 25 wide receivers, like I said earlier, with Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, and the tight end six. I mean, that's that's impressive uh, overall for, for Jacksonville's offense, and that's a, a definitely a positive uh, indicator for Jacksonville here, who... Big year, makes the playoffs. Trevor Lawrence looking like the prospect that everybody thought he was now that he has a competent coach in uh, in Doug Peterson instead of Urban Meyer. Uh, another thing with Evan Ingram that 
it kind of surprised me as I was doing some research in this. You know, everybody kind of thinks of, of Evan Ingram as injury prone. Um, you know, he's banged up all the time, but he's only actually missed two games in the last three years. So if Evan Ingram is able to, you know, kind of buck that injury prone label, like it seems like he has and stay, you know, stays in this offense, I think that he could absolutely repeat this performance, especially given that he only had four touchdowns. Um, positive touchdown regression probably coming here. 98 targets, like I said, that was a little bit of a surprise. Maybe that drops a little bit, but I think with it, when you even out the touchdowns there, he could he could absolutely finish as a tight end six again. So Evan Ingram, you know, a, a player that I'm probably looking to buy this year here if somebody hasn't necessarily caught on to, to how good he was this year. You probably don't have to pay much to get him either. Uh, others receiving votes for the tight end position. TJ Hawkinson finishing as the tight end two. That trade from Minnesota was just huge for him. Uh, a trade to Minnesota was just huge for him. It just he was the second option in that receiving game. There, they Minnesota actually wanted to use him as a tight end instead of blocking, kind of like uh, Detroit liked to do. So you're finally getting some some TJ Hawkinson games here. Although obviously he had that huge like 40 point game the first game with Minnesota, and then was just pretty solid after that. Um, two others receiving votes: Cole Komet. Uh, tight end finishes a tight end seven on the year. He's somebody that, you know, definitely people were, were touting as uh, not a sleeper at the tight end position, but maybe somebody who could outperform what was expected. And I think he did that this year. And then the other one is uh, Juwan Johnson, uh, tight end 11 on the year. And that's with Taysom, not a tight end, but actually a tight end Hill uh, finishing as the tight end five. So the Saints had two top two tight end ones on the year. Now, Juwan Johnson finishing as a tight end 11, he had some some duds in there as well. He had a couple huge games. So it was a definitely an up-and-down performance, but he's a guy that probably wasn't even rostered and probably even in the deepest of, of dynasty leagues coming into the year. So I think that definitely warrants a surprise here. Uh, and then it's also just worth mentioning that, again, Travis Kelsey finished 100 points ahead of the tight end too. So this is still Travis Kelsey's world. And we are just living in it. But that is going to do it for me here tonight. Uh, again, Austin should be back on Monday since it's Campus Life. That's the show he actually likes. I assume we'll both be back there on, mon on Monday for you. But until next time, I'm Colin. And have a good one.